24 years we have been gathering, Fellowship of the Rockies has been gathering in Pueblo, Colorado, and we've been worshiping together on Easter Sunday. And I just want to tell you personally what an honor it is to gather with you each Easter and just celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So thank you this morning as we celebrate together. And so um, I'd like to tell you a little bit of a story, and I'd like to tell you like the meaning of, of this. We affectionately call it the Bible stand. We didn't know what else to call it. But in, in 2010, uh, I'd been preaching behind like a beat-up music stand, and so we decided we needed a little bit more. We needed a little bit more, so it looked just a little bit more professional. Um, and so as a result of that, there's a friend of mine in our church, Bill Vickers, who happens to be like a, a craftsman, a woodworker. And so I asked him, I says, could you, could you put something together uh, that I could preach behind um, that, that would look nice and that may have some meaning to it? And so Bill uh, took this and he began putting the pieces, cutting the wood and, and putting the pieces together. And then his, in his words, as he would say, all of a sudden the meaning became very real to him. It really is the picture of the gospel. And I'd just like to explain this and then we're going to open up the word together. But Bill said as he began putting this together, he knew that it needed a, a firm base. And they're going to try to zoom in and begin to let you see this. Because I know some of you in the back, you may not be able to. Um, and so he said he knew it needed to have a firm base. And so he built this firm base. And he said, you know, he began thinking that's, that's our foundation. God is our foundation. And God is the one in which our lives are built on. He, he's the cornerstone. And so for me, in remembering that, there's many times in preaching that I will simply put my foot on it just to remind myself of that. He started cutting the, the legs. It has three legs, in case you cannot see that. And he said for him, that represented the, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're continuous, and that encourages us, because no matter what we face in life, no matter what we go through, that, that he, is he, is, he is with us, and that he is our hope. And then you may notice this, this ring, and I'll explain it, but this ring that goes around here, uh, in the inside of the ring, he, he stained the, the, the wood red to represent the blood of Jesus Christ, to represent the blood that was over our sins, and because of the forgiveness of, of our sins, because of his blood on the cross and the forgiveness of our sins, it turned our sins white as snow, and then you see the white ring around here. This circle is not continuous. This circle actually is broken. It breaks at each one of these legs as a reminder to us that, that represents that, that the ring is not continuous because it's broken by the legs. It represents that our sins are blotted out and that he intercedes for us and we're totally and completely forgiven in him. And then when you, when you come to the top, maybe, maybe the most important one for me, you come to the top, and this is, this is known as the apron, and it, 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 it's circular. In other words, this, it means that God has a never-ending love for you. He has a never-ending love for me. But here, I think, is the most unique thing about this Bible stand. You will not be able to see it. There's no way the cameras can get an angle in here. It has an imperfection. There is a knot in the top of this base, and so Bill had this decision to make. Would he do like most woodcrafters, woodworkers would do? Would he cover it over to where you no longer see that knot any longer? And Bill decided, you know what, I'm not going to do that because you know what that, that, that knot represents to us? It's a defect, and it represents that God still loves us in spite of our defects. God still loves us in spite of our per imperfections. 
that that can encourage us today just to simply know that none of us are perfect and none of us have arrived. And so that's why we need a holy and a righteous God, a God that desires to have a relationship with us. See, Jesus Christ came to earth not to give us a religion, but to start a relationship with us. And Jesus desires to have a relationship with us. And so today as we celebrate Easter, we're going to look at Luke chapter 24. It's the story of the road to Emmaus. Uh, Luke chapter 24 is where we're going to be this morning. So there were these two men. It was, it, was, it was on an Easter Sunday. It was after the death and the burial and actually the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so they had placed their hope in Jesus, but, but they misunderstood that. They knew that he was the Messiah, but they believed that on the third day he would rise again and he would like, he would like redeem Israel. In other words, it would be political power. He would overthrow the Roman government. And so their hope in, in some ways had been, been, been crucified and buried that day with Jesus in the tomb. And so they were confused about the meaning of all of this. And so they were discouraged. And so as a result of that, they began leaving Jerusalem. They were negative, and their conversation was negative and discouraged, and, and they're walking to Emmaus, which is so interesting, it's seven miles away. The disciples are struggling, and they heard how Jesus was going to be crucified and, and raised on the third day. And so in some ways, they misunderstood what this meant. And so they began walking to Emmaus, and I just want to show you this morning and how Jesus pursued them, and he entered into the conversation with them. And so he joins them in, on, on their walk to Emmaus. And so this morning, I just want to give you three things. I want to give you three things, how God reveals himself to us and, and, or makes his presence known to us. And the first one is this. God reveals himself to us personally. And it's a relationship, not a religion. God did not come. Jesus did not come to start a religion. He came to start a relationship. And he desires to have a relationship with you and I this morning. Luke chapter 24, verse 13, here's, here's what the scripture says that we just pick up this story. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. In other words, these two guys on their way to Jerusalem, they, they are discouraged. Now listen, I, I've been to Jerusalem, and there's not a flat part of Jerusalem. You're either going up or you're either going down. And fact is, if you take the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus, it is all, it is all downhill. So obviously these men are, are negative. They're, they're discouraged. They're, they're, they're walking downhill, and their face, and, and they're watching the ground as they go. And so as a result of that, they didn't realize that it was Jesus who was walking with them. But he was trying to reveal himself to them just as he's revealing himself to you this morning. Man, are you aware that he desires to reveal himself to you this morning and have a personal relationship with you? Regardless of how you came here today, Jesus desires to reveal himself in such a way that you enter into a personal relationship with him. And so, so maybe, maybe, maybe a friend invited you. Uh, Maybe your mother invited you and said, you know what? You are not getting Easter lunch unless you go to church. <laughs> Maybe you came this morning because a friend at work or the, or the office or our school has been just so relentless. You said, finally, I'll just go so maybe they'll quit inviting me. Maybe you noticed an advertisement. Maybe you, you were just passing by. Maybe you saw an ad in the, the, the Chieftain or on social media, Facebook or whatever. 
Or maybe it's through a situation. Or maybe, you know what? You're here this morning and you say, you know what? I, I honestly don't even know why I'm here. Can I just tell you this? The truth is, it doesn't matter how you got here. It doesn't matter even why you came. God is the one that brought you here. And God is coming alongside of you just like he did with these two guys going to Emmaus. And he desires to reveal himself to you in such a way that you enter into a personal relationship with him. And, you, and, it, and it changes everything about, about you and about your life. See, the, I believe the two on the road to Emmaus, they didn't recognize him because they were distracted. Worry and hurt and finances and everything else was so big to them that they could not recognize him. See, there, there are situations and sometimes distractions in life that can keep us so distracted we don't recognize that God is walking with us. This morning, is there anything that is distracting you, that is keeping you from recognizing that Jesus is pulling near to you? So the first thing that he does, he desires to reveal himself to us personally. But the second thing is this, is that he reveals himself to us through circumstances. See, God will use circumstances in your life, and guess what? God uses circumstances in my life to remind us of who he is. God uses circumstances even as a pastor in my life to remind me that my confidence is in him and nothing else. Your confidence is in him. It's not in your success. It's not in your circumstances. It's not in your talent. It's not in your ability. Your confidence is in him, in him alone. So we just keep reading verse 17. And so he said to them, and so Jesus is talking, and he says, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. And then the one named Cleopas answered, and this question this is hilarious to me. Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And they're talking to God, right? And they're looking at God and they're looking at Jesus. Are, are you the only one that doesn't know that this Messiah, Jesus Christ, he, he was crucified and on the third day that he, he, he rose again? Are you the only one in Jerusalem that doesn't know? In other words, he's saying, God, do you not know what's going on here? How many times do you and I do that with God? How many times do you and I go through a circumstance, a situation in life, and it may surprise us, but I'm telling you, it does not surprise him. How many times do we go through a situation or circumstance in life and we're going, God, do you not know what's going on here? God, do you know, not, not know the circumstances, the stuff that I'm dealing with right now? See, this is these men. They are so discouraged. They are so negative. They're, 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 their, their situation, their circumstance has them to the place to where it is getting all of their focus. And they're asking, so watch this. Jesus responds, and this is where you see the love of Jesus. This is where you see the tenderness of Jesus. Jesus could have handled this totally differently, right? Jesus could have told them, what do you mean you don't understand? How many times did I not explain this to you? I gave you a test over this stuff. We reviewed this stuff over and over and over but Jesus did not do that. Verse 19, look at this. And Jesus said to them, what things? Can I tell you this morning? God cares what you're walking through. God cares what you're walking through right now. The tender love of God is just simply saying, what things? What things are you carrying? What things are distracting you? What things are, what things are a burden to you right now? Because it helps when you can name your feelings, it helps when you can name your emotions, whether you feel sad or fear or anger. 
And Jesus simply came beside them and said, what things? Let me ask you that question this morning. What things are you carrying? What things in your life do you wonder, God, do you really see what's going on in my life? Do you really see what I'm dealing with in my life? What, what burden did you carry in this morning? Because I'm telling you, he wants to lift that burden. He wants you to have such a personal relationship with him to where you know he cares. And so here's how they answered him is verse 19. And so they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to, to death and crucified him. But we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, besides all this, it is now the third day since think these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he is alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they, but they did not see. In other words, you see their confusion. In other words, you hear their frustration. Listen, you know what's happened with these guys? They're trying to live off the experiences of others. They're trying to live off the experiences of others that have not only heard, but they've seen and they've experienced. See, there's a difference in that. There's a difference when you hear of something, you see something, and you experience something. And so they're, they're, they're frustrated. And let, let me tell you something. If you ever try to live your Christian life off of the faith of another, off of the experience of another, you will never make it through difficult times. You, you and I have to come to the place to re-experience Jesus to the level that it's not somebody else's experiences that we're trying to live off. We're living off our experience. See, that's what carries you through the tough times. That's what gives you the ability to be confident and understand that your confidence is in him and him alone. See, it's only when what you've heard and what you've seen that, that changes your life. I mean, you know this right in life. That when you've actually experienced something, it's, it's, it's better. Uh, so the, the other night, uh, we're, we, happened to be, um, we happened to be in my home, red box people. In other words, we rent our movies from, from the box, from the red box. Because down deep, I still miss Blockbuster. So it's kind of like a Blockbuster experience for me. And so you know what's hilarious? I know this is an ADD moment, but hey, you don't mind. Uh, you know what's funny? When I, when I, when I tell like the younger generation... And I tell them, you know, we go to Redbox. They look at me like, duh, don't you know you can get that on the Internet, right? Can I just make a brief announcement? Um, you know, young people, that, that iPhone that you hold in your hand, that, that droid phone, uh, that lap laptop, the Internet, my generation invented that, uh, just so we're clear. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, we did. So don't tell me I'm not techie, because we gave you that technology. Now, you've only used it to connect with your friends, but it's so much more powerful than that. And so anyway, so I go to the red box to turn in a movie, and there's a, a younger guy ahead of me, not quite as technical as me. 
And so he's shoving the movie in. Uh, the box rejects it. It comes back out. He shoves the movie in, and the box re rejects it. It comes back out. And so I'm watching this go down. I'm like, doesn't he know that that's going to continue till you know till Jesus comes? I mean, that's not going to change. <laughs> and so, so I finally tapped him on the shoulder and says, "Hey, that's not working." <laughs> and he turned and he goes, "You don't understand. My wife doesn't think I'm technical at all." And so I said, I want to return the movie. And she says, you can't return the movie successfully. You won't figure it out. And so now I'm having trouble. I do not want to have to go home and tell her I couldn't figure this thing out. And I says, well, my generation happened to invent all this stuff. And so uh, <laughs> would you like some help? And so he said, sure. So he, he hands me the, the red box deal. I look at the case and I go, oh. Someone put the movie in upside down so the barcode isn't up and the machine can't read it. That's the problem. And I open it, and he goes, my wife put the movie in here. <laughs> yeah. By the way, if you're here today, I'll do marriage counseling. I just realized you may be here. <laughs> and so he said, thank you, you did it, and off he went. And so you, you know this, right? There's a difference just about hearing something about seeing something than experiencing something. The difference between, one of the differences between religion and relationship, religion, people tell you, you live off the experience of the religious leaders. A relationship with Jesus Christ, guess what? You can open up scripture for yourself. And you can read, he will speak to you, and you can have a relationship with him. See, if you go through this life and you just, you just hear that God heals or his word builds up people or God blesses obedience or God comforts or God is with you in the tough times and your confidence can be in him. And if you hear that but you don't ever experience that, it will never change your life. You will never get it through the difficult times. The fact is there was a man in the Old Testament, his name was Job, and Job had this story. In fact, is it wasn't until Job chapter 42, verse 5, Job is going through horrible stuff. And then all of a sudden he comes to this place, Job, Job 42, 5, but he makes this statement. He says, I heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. I mean, he, he experienced him for the first time. And you know what? You look at Job's life, his entire life completely changed. Job is not the same person he was before Job chapter 42 as he was after. Why? Because he heard and he experienced. And all of a sudden, it is an intimate, real relationship with Jesus Christ. The third and the last thing is this. God reveals himself through his word. God reveals himself through, through his word. Uh, Romans 15, 4 says, For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. I'm dealing with more and more people in our society that are losing hope. And Jesus came. That's why we celebrate today. He came to give us hope. And just in case you're wondering, our, our faith is based on a, a historical and even a medical fact, but our, our faith is based on a historical fact that Jesus, that Jesus rose from the dead. In fact, is the more evidence you read or the more scripture you read, you realize that it, our faith is based on a historical fact. In fact, it's Chuck Colson or Charles Colson. He was the architect of the, the Watergate break-in under the Nixon administration. It was when Charles Colson was in prison 
uh, for the crimes that he did in the Watergate break-in, that all of a sudden he had this encounter with, with Christ. And, and, and I'll just quote him, and I'll read these words about the resurrection. And Chuck Colson writes this. He says, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved that to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. We, Christianity is based on a historical fact. In Luke 24, 25, this conversation goes on and he says to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter in his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. I love this part. And Jesus acted as if he were going farther. I'm like, was he like messing with them, right? You know, I'm going, I'm not. I'm going, I'm not. It w was he like that friend that won't you invite them over to your house, but he didn't want to invite himself? You know what? I think that really was what it was. Jesus was coming to the place. He wasn't playing a game with them. He was trying to bring them to the point that they would invite him in, and he wouldn't invite himself. In other words, door number one, do I continue to pursue God? Door number two, do I reject him, and do I keep walking? Verse 29, as we just walked through this, but they urged him strongly, saying, stay, stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. They not only had the scriptures open for them, but they had to, they had to open their home to Jesus. When they reached their destination to Emmaus, in their culture and their, their time, it was just quite normal for someone to invite a stranger into their home, right? That's, that's, that's weird for us. That's not in our culture that you would invite a stranger into your home. Fact is, when you look at our culture, uh, we don't invite so many people over to our house to have a meal because we're eating more and more meals out, right? I mean, uh, before the service, I was talking with a friend, and I was telling them that we're so excited about today. I got a whole row of kids and grandkids down here this morning, and um, and I says, you know, Karen's been cooking for a couple of days, and as soon as service is over, we're going to our house. Uh, we're going to eat a, an Easter meal, and we're going to hang out with grandkids and do all that you do on Easter. And so, so I said, so, and, so I said, and this is what Karen's making. And I told him, and so I looked at him, and I said, hey, what's your wife making uh, for lunch? And he says, she's making reservations. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> and so, but that's our culture. That's our society, right? It seems like we're eating at home less and less. But see, it wasn't true there. It was normative for them to invite someone into their home. Verse 30, when he, Jesus, was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Here's the strange things. Please don't miss this. Jesus was a guest in their home. And he takes charge. I don't know how it works in your home. But when we have guests in our home, we're in charge. It's our home. When I go to somebody else's home, I'm not in charge. It's their home. But yet, all of a sudden, you see in these scriptures that it seems like Jesus, and he did, he took charge. You know what that tells me? 
Jesus Christ is not satisfied with being a guest in your home. He wants to be the host. Religion is only in charge at church. Relationship, Jesus is in charge of my life. I mean, there is a difference there. I mean, all of a sudden it comes, and then watch this, verse, verse 31, and their eyes were opened. In other words, first, it starts, you have to be open to him. You have to be open to a relationship with him. And they were not recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. In other words, you first have to be open to him to accept him. Now listen, theologians through the ages have debated this issue about, about when, did they, when did they recognize him. Some think it was by his mannerism in their home. Some think it was by his eyes. Some think it was by some of the things that he said. Some believe that, you know what, it was the way he took bread. It was the way he broke it. Some said it was the way he prayed. I don't think it was any of that. Now listen, this is just my personal opinion. I think they recognized him after he broke the bread, after he gave thanks, and as he was reaching across the table, giving it to them, his sleeves rolled back, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they could see the scars. They could see the nail prints. And it, it would only happened three days earlier. It, st- it hadn't healed. It, 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 was still, it was still a scab. And all of a sudden, it became real to them, his sacrifice on the cross and what he did for them. And then look how it changes in verse 32, Luke chapter 4, verse 32. As our worship team begins making their way up, here's what the scripture says. And it says, and so they said to each other, did not our hearts burn with this in us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to, to us the scriptures? And they arose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them and gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed. And he has appeared to Simon. In other words, guess what? We have experienced this. And as a result of that, it changed their life. Verse 35, then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them. We have a relationship with him. And them in the breaking of the bread. Listen, even though it was nighttime, this was unheard of. It was nighttime and they ran seven miles from Emmaus all the way to Jerusalem. And they experienced it. Listen, let me tell you something. Fellowship of the Rockies, we don't want you just to hear sermons. But we want you to see that God is working in your life and he is changing you. And he can be trusted. Man, I want to challenge you this morning that you would open up your eyes to the reality of the resurrection, that he is a source of, of your hope. And because of that, you can be confident. And listen, this encounter that they had with Jesus changed everything. The source of hope that day was sitting right beside them. And they accepted him. Man, I... My prayer for you this morning is that you would not just hear and see a worship service, that you would experience him. It changed the direction of these men's lives. When I had an encounter with Christ and came to him, it changed the direction of my life. This morning I received a text from a, a friend of mine that pastors in another city. And he said, hey, Charlie, 
1998, I walked into church for the very first time, still hung over. That day I met Christ, and today I'm the pastor of that church. Help your community to know what Christ can do for them. How he can change your life. He changed my direction. That's when you've had an encounter with Christ. Is when he changes your direction. Do you just bow your heads with me and close your eyes?